The Iron Sheik passing this week was something that nobody was really expecting. Me and Ted last week on his podcast talked about the Iron Sheik because the incredible heel work he did as a foreign heel. And I wanted to talk about things that we don't talk about that much. We talk a lot about his Twitter and we talk a lot about his appearances on things like the Howard Stern Show and different places. But nobody really talks about how much he helped make characters and how much his character work pushed other people to be great. We think about Hogan, we think about Andre and the slam heard around the world, and people really think that that's what kind of like set in stone his career, but people don't ever bring up that much, that camel clutch that he got out of that no one had ever been able to get out of before him. So the Sheik being that character, that unde undefined, undeniable character that everybody loves because it's him, it's real, and it's what he believes, is something that I think should be more talked about. We need to talk about unsung heels in wrestling more because these guys are the workers. These guys are the ones that are doing all the jobs that we don't want to do and that are making the characters that we love. So without someone like the Sheik, I don't think that we would have someone like Hulk Hogan. And you think about his match profile other than Hogan. You've got Backlund. You've got Inoki. He even made an appearance on JCW. Did you know that, Will? He was on JCW. Dude, the fact that the Juggalos still have such an imprint on professional wrestling makes my life so much better. Just to think. Like, I've been watching Reliving the War, shout out to the wrestling bios, and he's, like, covering that period of the oddities and everything. So every fucking episode lately, you hear about uh, ICP this, ICP that, and I'm like, holy shit, ICP really was there every single week. Like, I want to know. For the Juggalos and, and the I want to know what it was like with Vince in a room with ICP going, hey, guys, I'm going to put you on contract for, like, six months to get over this, uh, this group of hooligans I have. Are you okay with it? And they're like, yeah, dude, we love wrestling. Fucking Fago. <laughs> dude, so do you know what the match stipulation was for the Sheik match? If you thought Judy Bagwell on a pole was rough, wait till you hear what G JCW had him oh doing. Oh, God, please inform me. It was a crack pipe on a pole match. I'm not even mad. That actually makes more sense than it should. <laughs> like, okay, you that's this reading your audience right there. That's knowing who's in the crowd, and they're going to be – someone's going to exactly, be excited. Exactly. But that's the magic of the Sheik, though. Like, that's the person that will go to JCW and put somebody over that he doesn't have to put over. So, wait, he didn't that's get the, the crack That's the kind of pipe? stuff that I'm talking about. He did win. But it still puts over Izzy High. He didn't need to put over Izzy High. He didn't need to be in JCW in 2010. He didn't need to do that. But he did it anyway because he loves this sport. And these are the types of people and exactly what I'm talking about. It, it came across my feed the other day. Have you ever seen that video of him spitting on the turkey? Spitting on the turkey? No. He's, he's, he's cutting a promo with Gene Okerlund, and there's a turkey in a cage in front of him. And he's like talking shit about the turkey. He's like, this gutch darn turkey. And he spits on the turkey just impromptu. Like it's not planned. He just spits on this turkey. And Gene just falls over laughing. Because that's how you know it's not planned. Gene's just on the floor with his hands on his side, just laughing himself to death. And that's, again, those types of moments show you what kind of person and what kind of movement for wrestling he was. And that's the person that I want to remember. I want to remember someone that really put over other people and put over things that he didn't have to put over to do this job for us, and for, for us to be entertained. Do you know what I mean? That's why I don't think that we can, we're going to talk about some of his greatest tweets later at the end of the episode. Stay tuned. But I definitely wanted to start this episode by talking about what he did for wrestling, because without him, there's a lane of wrestlers that don't really exist. I kind of want to bring this up. Right. He was one of the last people that truly lived kayfabe. Right. 
when he died, one of the biggest things I saw was people saying fuck Hulk Hogan. And not necessarily because they dislike Hulk Hogan, which that's a whole other conversation for another time, right? But it's just the embodiment of what Iron Sheik was. Iron Sheik consistently, if there was one thing out of his mouth, it was fuck Hulk Hogan. Whether or not he truly hated him that much, that's not what I'm debating. But what I am saying is he had a position back in the 80s where he fucking hated Hulk Hogan. And he died on that fucking hill. And it's... But that's that's the truth of what his character is, though. So he can get over any place he wants to get over by making sure that his character stays relevant. That's the magic of him because no one's really been able to do that. For translate from wrestling to media to talk show hosts to Twitter, everything he touches, he's able to get that character over because that character is him. It's not hard to be kayfabe when you're just being yourself. 100%. And it's even crazier when or when you like go back and look at his history and how he came up in the business and everything and even just look at him in his early collegiate days like he was a completely different person like you find a picture of him from his early days like in his 20s you won't even believe it's him and that's it's got to be a compliment to him first and foremost because he held himself so well but then to really evolve and become this enigma that he was before he left this world like there is not a wrestling fan. Fuck, I'll even go as far as saying there's not a lot of people in this world who don't know the Iron Sheik, even if it's just from his tweets, you know, because he became an, an icon after the fact. Like, he was reintroduced to a whole new world of people because he was sitting there on Twitter being fucking hilarious, whether it was intentional or not. And I'm sure at some point he kind of picked up the uh, book and figured out what was going on. But still, he was just being undeniably himself and that it goes to your point you know he kept curating this character over and over again even long after he didn't need to but and it just absorbed him it's he is what people think the undertaker are right you know how like mark at this point is retired and he's like oh yeah i'm just a biker golf dad now let me tell you all the secrets of the business brother but like iron sheik every secret he had he died with and i have respect to end this first segment, we should just raise our glasses, because I know you're drinking an energy drink, I'm drinking an energy drink. Here's to the Sheik, man, because without him, I think that we lost a lot, and him passing was a big loss for the wrestling community. So, at the end of this episode, we'll review some of his tweets, but for now, here's to the Sheik. I have a little bit of a controversial opinion. Um, as you know, I am not a big, the biggest tag team wrestling fan in the world. I don't want this to come off first off like I'm trying to get rid of tag team wrestling because every conversation I've had with my friends in wrestling this week they've all gotten really really angry with me because the take sounds like I'm trying to get rid of tag team wrestling as a whole that's not what I'm doing so what I want to say though and this is something that I still believe to be true and I think that I can prove it in any facet of the way that we look at wrestling today there is not a current tag team going right now that wouldn't be better off if we split them up one person in the tag team would flourish. There would be one person that suffers. In every scenario, no matter which way you look at it, one person's going to suffer. But one person is going to be able to spread their wings, and they're going to succeed off of the backs of this split up. I, I, I want to start out by attacking the elephant in the room, and that is FTR. So they are the most accomplished tag team in the world, in my opinion, and the greatest tag team running right now. And we are just doing the modern era. So we're not going to go 80s. We're not going to go 90s. We're just going right now. And FTR is the best tag team running right now, in my opinion. And if you split them up, Dax is going to be 
a bona fide singles star. There's no way around it. Everything that he has touched as far as a singles match has been a banger. Every single one. They've let him have five, six singles matches in AEW, and every one of them have been memorable matches. Every single one. I think that he's a, a powerhouse on a microphone, and I believe that he could be a star singled or, or tag team. Either way, he's a star, but he'd be a star by himself. Now, that doesn't do well for Cash Wheeler because I don't know how Cash Wheeler would work out being by himself. And this is not necessarily like they want to break up or this is all just me spitballing. But I don't think that there's a tag team today that you don't split up and someone benefits by getting themselves a singles run. We'll go ahead. Okay, so I have a couple interesting points with this. And first and foremost, I want to revisit this after the Dark Side of the Ring episode of Marty Jannetty comes out. Because when we were talking about this idea, I was pissed that we are pulling the trigger sooner rather than later. So let's revisit this. But I want to point out something. I don't necessarily think that with tag teams, you would have one that's better off. You do, though. Because at the end of the day, nobody cares. Not because at the end of the day, at least Vince McMahon, and I'm sure this might be the consensus in other promotions as well, but tag teams are just a pain in the ass to book. You have to pay double the amount of people for the same amount of match, right? So if you have a 10-minute match with a tag team in it, you have four people you have to pay instead of two people, which I can understand why Vince McMahon in that respect would not like tag team wrestling. But what ends up happening is you have tag teams because you need tag teams in wrestling, but then typically one will get split up and then get that big singles push and the other one will either just become a job or Mitt Carter or will find themselves outside of the company within a few months, right? It just fucking happens. And it's so unfortunate because I don't necessarily think a lot of tag teams and FTR is a perfect example. One would thrive and one would fail. I just think that's how it's going to be booked. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense, but... It does seem like to me that there is a is an alpha dog in every single tag team. Like we go through the list of tag teams, and I've been doing this for a couple days, trying to find faults in everything that I do. And you think about the Usos. Jay's the obvious candidate to be the one that people want to be the star. Jimmy's there, and Jimmy's fine, and Jimmy's good, but Jimmy's not Jay. Jay is the star of the group. Jay is the person that shows emotion behind the character while Jimmy sits back and does the things that get them over as a tag team, right? So Jimmy has his role, but Jay is always going to be the front runner. So if you split them up, Jay would have a great chance at being a world champion or an intercontinental champion or something, and he'd have a great run. Name me any tag team, Will. I dare you. Any tag team, AW, WWE, Impact, do anyone you want to do, and I promise you I'll be able to dethrone them. Well, I have two, and I'm just going to throw one out there because they weren't a tag team in my head for this before this morning. Motor City Machine Guns. Because they oh, are so did you, did you watch Impact last night? I didn't, but I know. That's why I'm bringing them up. They're both <laughs> singles champions right now. Yep. One's the X Division that's, and one's that's the That's another, and they're one of the greatest tag teams on the earth, in my opinion. Again, they go up in that list of, like, when you think about incredible tag teams that are running and have been running for a really long time, the Motor City Machine Guns are right in there. And both of them being able to be champions is exactly what I'm saying. Like, Chris Sabin has already been an X Division champion, what, nine times, ten times now. I, I don't know, a lot. And he's been able to be successful as an X Division champion over and over and over again. But now Alex Shelley being able to be the world champion solidifies my point even more. 
this is the kind of thing I'm talking about because we d- you didn't think about Alex Shelley as a world champion before last night, did you? So, and I'll give you even more credit to that statement. I'm trying to figure out if Macklin's hurt or if they're just trying to pull the trigger on a, you know, a cash I'm, in of the I'm more pissed. I'm more pissed about Trey Miguel losing than I am at Macklin. I'll be honest. I'm more mad that Trey Miguel lost that belt than I am Macklin. But that's just me. Again, I'm a Trey Miguel guy, so, well, let's, let's you know. Well, let's hope that he ends up doing more and more because that man is just so talented. But yeah, that's a good example. But And please, I'm going to forget this, but I don't want to. Remember the Hardy Boys. We're going to come back to them, but I, I have someone I will else. T- I will take the Hardy Boys as well. I can get that one as well because I've already been challenged with this one. And Jeff by himself is the reason that the Hardy Boys are so big. I, he's had singles runs in every single company. But arguably, Matt's had the better career. How? He's just been more consistent. He's I, I don't – so consistency is not what I'm talking about. Like, so you, you probably think about the tag matches when you think about the Hardy Boys with Edge and Christian and the Dudley Boys, right? Uh, n- so, no. I do, I do, I do. Everybody does. But do you want to know what about, I think but of – think about that, though. All three of those people – all three of those tag teams have had one person or both people that have been celebrated by themselves as well. So Christian and Edge, both of them have had great singles runs. Edge, Edge in obviously WWE, but Christian and Impact as Christian Cage. Then you go to the Dudley Boys. Bully has done himself very, very well alone, especially in Impact. Well, so let me ask you though, what is the most popular singles Jeff Hardy feud in your mind that doesn't end with Victory Road? Because that's an that's low hanging fruit. I don't think that that's low hanging fruit. I think that the the Antichrist Jeff Hardy was really really good stuff that, and impact too. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying it's easy to remember that singles run because of how that ended, right? But I, I think that he was able to withstand on his own, and it's and he has a cult following big enough to be a single star by himself. Like the Hardy Boys makes him who he is because without the Hardy Boys, he's not really Jeff Hardy. But also, he has a, a big enough fan following where he could go alone and be fine, which is the reason that WWE pushes Matt out the back door and he goes to AEW and Jeff stays for a little bit longer because they believe that he has the ability to be a single star as well. I will say, though, and this is what I've been trying to get at, I think Matt Hardy has the best single feud between the two of them. And I'll point it out to you because I know you're not remembering this one. Yeah, Edge. Back when him, Edge, and Lito had that whole situation. Think about how personal and how real that rivalry actually was. And I remember watching that steel cage match as a kid and being fucking devastated that Matt lost. Like, I had loved Matt Hardy. And to see him— You're a weirdo, though. Why? Because most people— Love that heel edge persona so much, and it, it resonated no, no. with so I was, many people. I was, I was on Cena's train, so you got to remember that was also around the time of one of the greatest WWE rivalries of all time, which was Edge and Cena. And when I was a kid, I was a super Cena fan, and I'm un- unashamed to admit that. So I had always kind of fucking hated Edge until it was cool not to hate him. You still and do. And like, I respect him now. You still no, no, dislike I, Edge right now. I would say that you're still on the train of disliking Edge right now. That's still don't like episode. Him. Well, let me get back <laughs> to my other tag team then. You're and an that's Edge a, That's Lethal and Jarrett. Um, split them both up. They've both done stuff by themselves. A J, a J Lethal by himself is the greatest Ring of Honor singles champion to ever live. I Jeff agree. Jarrett ran, ran a company by himself in TNA Impact. And was the champion for that company for years. 
he's fine by himself. You They're good as a tag team, and I love them as a tag team together. I enjoy it very, very much. With Sanjay Dutt, I'm a big fan. They're fine by themselves. That's another proving point of mine, that they are absolutely fine. I disagree. So they are phenomenal individual stars. But at this point in their careers, within their positions, right? They no, could be, Jeff could be world champion right now, and I'd be cool with it. He could take the belt right now, and I'd be cool with it. I so and that is a, a hot take I guess you could say one of our old repeat words we used to use all the time because at the end of the day like I don't really see a place for either of them outside of that tag team division think about what Jay had been doing for months and months and months with Sanjay and all of them it just wasn't resonating with fans and it's not to say it wasn't good stuff it just it wasn't until you saw him enter in that tag team with Jeff Jarrett and then get behind the acclaimed and start getting some traction where people really changed their opinion because a lot of people weren't happy that Jeff Jarrett was or was in AEW. They were like, this dude's like fucking six years old. What is he doing? We've been we've been day oneers, me and Ted. Day oneers for Jeff Jarrett. As soon as he walked in the door, we've been day oneers. And I'm also a day oneer for Karen Jarrett, too, while we're on the subject. No, fuck her. I'm a day. Nah, man, this feud with Aubrey is I'm all in. And I'm on Team Karen. You know I'm a Kurt guy, so I can't. I'm not gonna touch that. I don't even. I don't even care about their relationship. I'm saying she, right now she's a ball of fire and she is running through AEW. That match next week with uh, did you see what the, what the match is? This is the stupidest, crazy shit I've ever seen. So the match is Jeff, Jay, and um, Karen Jarrett versus Mark, Mark's dad, Papa Briscoe. And Aubrey Plaza, or Aubrey Plaza, I'm Aubrey fucking Edwards. listening now, dude. <laughs> Papa Briscoe, let's Papa fucking Briscoe. go. Papa Briscoe's at the house next week, so that's what I'm talking about. Like, there are things that they can do with older talents that maybe they aren't able to do with somebody that they have to build, and these are the things that they can do. And that's why Jeff is such a good good person to have on the roster is because he can make things like this relevant and make you care about things like this. And I don't know if you saw, Jay Lethal just trademarked Black Machismo. Oh, I did. So that's coming back as well, and I'm full force in. Like, I'm all the way in on every bit of this. And this tag team thing, like, I'm saying, bro, like, those guys are bad examples because both of them have been successful as a singles. Like, they don't need it now. They can be a tag team. They've already done it. This is for people that have never broke the mold, have never been able to get out of a tag team. Like Otis, for example, like me and you have been big Otis guys for years. And I think that comes from representation in wrestling and seeing a bigger guy get over. And, you know, everybody talks about he needs a tag team. He has to be stuck with a tag team, sticking with Tucker, sticking with uh, with the Alpha Academy and Chad Gable. Nah, man, me and you have presented him on uh, presented on how to build him into being a single star for years. All you have to do is make him a monster heel. And when he came into the Alpha Academy, what did they do with him? Made him a monster fucking heel. They made him a monster heel by seriousing him up and having him run through people. Now, I don't, I'm not, every one of these doesn't have to end in world champion. So I don't want this to come up like everybody that breaks up a tag team has to be a world champion, has to be the crown point of a company. That's not what I'm saying. But he could for sure take austin theory's belt and i would be cool with it i'm not and i like austin theory i don't have any problems with austin theory but he could for sure take that belt and run with it and have a nice run or even if you give him one of these little love triangle stories with maxine like he had with mandy rose i'm kind of in if he becomes like the will ferrell and the other guys where girls just really really like him and nobody can figure out why i'm kind of in i i i'm kind of in 
can I propose something to you? I don't even think Austin Theory. You know what WWE loves to fucking do? Take nationalities and put them against each other. You take Otis off of TV for two fucking months. Let people forget about him. Please, please, please let him forget they about him. They won't. He's too big of a character. You I can't know. bring him back as, what's his last name? Dozer. Yeah, you can't bring him back as a, a foreign heel and make it work. No, 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 that's not where I'm going with this. So I'm glad that you don't even know where I'm going with this. No. Keep him as Otis Dozer, Otis, whatever you want to call him. But he is the epitome of a blue-collar working boy. He comes from the South. He's got that upbringing. It, the story writes its fucking self. Guess who holds the Intercontinental Championship? Gunther is one of those wrestlers that nobody thinks they can beat. So why don't you put him and Otis together? Let Otis run face because all the good old boys are going to want to root for him. It, it and hurts Gunther too much. How? Because his trajectory is to go against top stars, and Otis isn't billed as a top star yet. Uh, yeah. It hurts Gunther. If Gunther loses, it hurts Gunther. I'm not saying this is now. I'm saying we have some work to do, and that's why you have to take Otis off the TV for two months, because you have to get him fresh in people's minds again, right? But you build him until WrestleMania, and that's your Intercontinental title match at Mania, and then Gunther retains next night, Otis takes it off of him, and that sets Gunther up to go to the next belt. You have Gunther also cement one of those reigns with the Intercontinental title, and then through that, then take Otis, who you've been dwindling for years, and finally turn him into that monster hill you want almost to be. Because I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in. You kind of got me. Dude, like, and, and this isn't me taking a shit on almost, but, like, what they're trying to accomplish with him, they have, like, five or six different people on the roster who would do it better? The difference between Otis and Omos, Otis is natural in the ring. Like, you can tell he is comfortable in that ring. With Omos, and I don't know if it's the deal with his height or He's what have you. He's gotten better, though. He's gotten, He's gotten better. better. I just and that's, that's what I think they're working towards is they're still trying to, like, train him and work him into being better. But you're right. They have three or four of these guys on the roster. Even if you look at NXT, they've got two or three that they just brought in, and they've got – Dom Okado, you know, qu former formerly Commander Aziz over there too, which is kind of the same idea as well. A big giant monster that just runs through people and tosses them around. Y and I think Dom Okado is better than him. I, uh, <laughs> I, so I, I know how you book Otis if you want to turn him heel. Bring Gacy up. I'm interested. Let Gacy talk I'm for Otis. I'm interested. That I'm interested. Woo! Let's go. I've been waiting for Gacy to get something good for days, for months, for years. He Give Gacy something, but it doesn't have stupid yellow mask attached to it. I'll be honest. He's truly shown he is one of those people that can turn shit into gold. Because I don't. I still think it's shit. I still have a problem watching Schism every time they touch TV because I don't think the grizzled young veterans want to be there. Oh, and they don't. the rocks, the rocks' daughter still is is in training where she should be. But she needs work, and they're going to continue to work with her, and she's going to get better, but she's not there yet. Well, hey, you know what would be really good for her? How about this? We give it a couple more months. We take Otis off of TV. We let Ava get trained and whatnot and be really come <laughs> into herself. Let her kick Gacy out. Take over Schism. And then we That's have fine. Joe Gacy come over to the main roster and take over Otis. And then, so the, hey, problem, the problem with doing this is what happens to Chad Gable, though. Well, so, and that's where I think we should end this because I have two to three episodes worth of what we should do with Chad Gable. And I also want to kind of revisit the repackaging of Otis. So, 
we have some tweets to talk about. Why don't we talk about those and pencil this in for another episode? That's cool. So I, I, I teased this at the beginning of the episode of us going through a few of our favorite Iron Sheik tweets. I took a screenshot of his pin tweet and made it our cover photo, and it's like basically like, take a moment out of your day to be nice to someone, you stupid son of a bitch. Well, let me let me give you one of mine, too. So I got a bunch, but these are a few of my favorites. Um, Malibu's Most Wanted, better movie than The Fucking Notebook. <laughs> Monday, you dumb son of a bitch, go fuck yourself. So I have three back-to-back that are all Fire them off, fire them off. You're all I need to get by, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> On September 28th, Surgeon General warning, go fuck yourself. Coast to coast, go fuck yourself. I got, I got two more, and the last one should finish us off. So this one I think I needed to put out there because I love representation. He says, Darren Young the gay. I respect <laughs> him for he's honest. <laughs> I love it. One of my favorite tweets ever. And then the last one. Fuck you. Good night. Go fuck yourself. Most importantly, fuck the Hulk Hogan. <laughs>